Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. Sailing every day, you're at a new island. You stop for breakfast in a new crystal clear aqua blue beach bay. You jump in the water and that's how you wake up every morning. And then you sail to your next port for the night that has a beautiful Croatian or Greek dinner. And then you end up at some sort of local bar or restaurant with dance music. I mean, in Greece, they throw napkins in the air like it's confetti and it falls all over you. And just have the best time. This is the Maverick Show, where you'll meet today's most interesting location independent entrepreneurs and world travelers and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. Your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Bowles. Welcome to the Maverick Show. My guest today is Megan Mann. She is a location independent executive, entrepreneur, and full time digital nomad who has had no permanent base for over five years and has now been to over 60 countries. Born and raised in Hawaii, she spent her childhood living on a sailboat before becoming a successful entrepreneur and executive with 15 years in the digital marketing and e-commerce industry. Megan is the co-founder of Phone Assured by Securacy, a phone safety tether designed to protect your phone from drops and slippery fingers. She is also the CMO of Commerce Build, an ERP-driven e-commerce platform and She is the strategic advisor for Social Scene, an event production company whose mission is to connect people, build relationships, and create lasting memories through curated experiences. Megan is currently working towards her Portuguese residency, giving her the ability to get an EU passport while continuing to explore the world. Megan, welcome to the show. Oh, aloha, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure, and I'm completely humbled to be here today. I am so excited that you are here today. And before we go any further, we have to set the scene and talk about where we are and what we are drinking. Do you want to do the honors with that? Oh, my goodness. We are in Lisbon, Portugal. And a couple of weeks ago, I had the ultimate pleasure of getting to have a beautiful weekend in the Portuguese wine country, tasting beautiful wines for your birthday. Yay. (laughs) And today we're having one of those wines right now. 
you are amazing because first of all, you agreed to go on the weekend trip for my birthday, even though you and I had never met in person, which is amazing because we both are friends with the amazing Danny Dirks. Shout out to Danny Maverick Show listeners. Of course, know her because she was just recently on the show. And so she said, I have this amazing friend, Megan. And I said, if you think she's an amazing friend, then definitely bring her to my birthday party. And so you came not even knowing me. And on that trip, not only did we have an amazing time together, but you bought me a bottle of wine for my birthday, which you gave to me, which was insane. It was like 200 bottles of production of this wine. And I drank that bottle on the interview that I did with Danny on The Maverick Show. <laughs> and now I'm having you on The Maverick Show. And you have brought another bottle that you bought on that weekend when we were together. And you have now graciously just opened that bottle and are supplying the wine for this interview. So I am so grateful. And this wine is absolutely insane. You are so welcome. The wine is absolutely amazing. It came from the first vineyard that we went to on your birthday. The one that had all of the beautiful carriages in the carriage museum, which was so fascinating to see at a vineyard. But yeah, it's delicious. And I'm so honored to share it with you. It was amazing. And what a weekend that was. What were some of the highlights for you the weekend that you've been thinking about or telling people about since we got back? Well, first and foremost, getting to meet you, Sean and Becky was just unbelievable. I feel like I went through crypto and NFT 101, 102, 201, 202 university class. And I was just so impressed at your guys' knowledge and your openness to share. And that was just the start of it. We got to taste some amazing wines. We were literally on this beautiful house beautiful pool, beautiful views. We had a dog, we had chickens, there was a lime trees. And then after lovely days of tasting wine, we went back home and we got to listen to three friends jam out and play guitar and ukulele, which was amazing for me to see because I'm from Hawaii. So Becky's ukulele playing was just incredible. And then we all jammed out to songs that we knew and sang like kumbaya style (laughs) in the living room all while getting to hear their music that they've written themselves. And so it was just absolutely fabulous. Well, you are such an inspiring traveler. I've been getting to know you and understanding the way that you roll and how you structure your lifestyle. And I understand that you literally just yesterday (laughs) got back from a 36-hour trip or less to Ireland. And I think it was your first time there. Ireland is a place that is very near and dear to my heart. I'm Irish American. I studied abroad there. I went to Trinity College in Dublin. I've been back many, many times. You were there for a very short time, but I want to hear because you haven't we haven't talked about this yet. Why did you go there first of all? And how was your experience in Ireland? Albeit short. <laughs> all right. First, the experience was absolutely amazing. One of my best friends from Boise, Idaho and her fiance were in Europe visiting two of our other friends in Amsterdam. And they had about six or seven days in Europe, and they had some crazy travel planned while they were here. And it was so crazy that I didn't think that I was ever going to have an opportunity to see them because they would literally go and spend like one night in Munich, one night in Amsterdam. And then they were going to Dublin for literally less than 24 hours. And in that 24 hour period, they were going to the Guinness Brewery to do a tour there. And they were going to a Duran Duran concert. And so 
I just felt compelled on Friday, maybe Thursday, to say, you know what? I'm going to go meet them, but I'm going to surprise her. And so I left at about 10.30 p.m. on Saturday night, flew to Dublin, got in at like 1.30 in the morning, went to a hotel, woke up at 8, and then the beauty about travel was I found out that night that one of my good friends that I traveled for six months with was actually in Dublin at the same time. So I got to go meet him for breakfast, and then I went out to the other hotel that I was staying at, and I got to surprise my best friend and her fiancé. And we had the most incredible day. I drank all the Guinness, learned all about Dublin, drove all around the city, and then ended at a beautiful Duran Duran concert and then at a traditional Irish pub. And then I woke up at five o'clock in the morning yesterday and I flew back to Portugal and it was so worth it. That is amazing. You are such an inspiring traveler to me in terms of how you roll. I think that's an excellent example of it. And I want to trace this lineage back a little bit now and go all the way back because you had a really unique and remarkable upbringing. Can you talk about where you grew up? Talk a little bit about your parents and what your experience was like growing up. Yeah, I definitely can. So as you mentioned, I'm from Hawaii and I'm from the main island in Honolulu. And my dad is a special forces Purple Heart Vietnam vet. And my mom is a hippie and they met, fell in love and decided that they wanted to live their life and raise their children living on a sailboat. (laughs) So I grew up very unconventional and I grew up on about a 33 foot sailboat in Honolulu, Hawaii. It was my mom, my dad, me and my older brother till I was about five years old. And then it was just the three of us on the boat after my brother got married and moved away. But man, it was a very strange and interesting life. And I feel so blessed that I didn't, I mean, I didn't even like have a home until I was in my late teens to go to the bathroom or to shower. You had to literally leave the boat and walk about 200 yards up to the shower and bathroom facilities. And I lived at the Yacht Club as well, which was the place that I just grew up. It was like my park. Every neighborhood has a park. The Yacht Club was my park and it had everything that you could possibly need or want. And my whole life was just based around the ocean and exploring and adventures and living in a vagabond, unconventional life. Can you talk about what some of those experiences were? I know your parents really prioritized travel and giving you those experiences as a kid. I would love to hear about what some of the highlights were for you now thinking back on that and also what impact you think that had on you at that age. Yeah, definitely. So my father just loved exploring. I mean, the man would do boat deliveries from Hawaii to Australia my mom would join him. We'd go to from Hawaii to Seattle or into San Francisco, San Juan Islands. And if we weren't doing anything like that, we were consistently traveling around the Hawaiian Islands. And so we'd leave Oahu and go to Lanai for the weekend or for a few weeks at a time. And we'd fish along the way. We'd eat everything that we'd catch. Sometimes we'd even sell what we caught to the fish markets if we caught too much. Spent so much time learning how to sail, learning how to fix engines. Everything was just based around how to live in a very simple fashion, but in the best way, getting to explore all the places we'd be in through hiking and diving, snorkeling, swimming, surfing, 
you name it, we were doing it. And it was absolutely phenomenal. And so I had this privilege of getting to see the world in a real simplistic way. And then when I became a young teenager, my dad decided to pull me out of school for, I think it was four or five weeks. And he, myself, and my grandmother went to Europe. And he said, I'm going to just take you around and show you what other parts of the world are like. And so on that trip, we went to Italy, we went to Greece, we went to Turkey, we went to Egypt. And then we went back to Italy. And then it was time to get back on the airplane. And I locked myself in the bathroom crying because I didn't want to leave. And my dad knew at that point, he'd like probably created a monster. And everything for me during that time was just so different. I'm from a tiny little island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's so remote. I did get to see a lot of the U.S. I did have a lot of amazing experiences rafting when I was a kid in Colorado, getting to go to Disneyland, Disney World, San Juan Islands, getting to see a lot of places. But what I never experienced was the rich culture and history of Europe and Africa and the Middle East. And when I did, it was eye-opening because it was just so different than this small, tiny, tiny little island that I grew up on. And I knew one day that I was going to need to explore every ounce of it. I didn't realize how long it was going to take for me to find that passion and really recognize that that's what I wanted to do. But gosh, I'm so blessed now that I have figured that out because as you mentioned, I've been to a lot of places so far and I feel like I haven't even touched upon all the places I want to go to yet. So amazing. Well, you have also had a really impressive professional career trajectory. So with that background of all of that travel and coming up on a sailboat and with that kind of upbringing, can you take us now a little bit on your professional journey and what led up ultimately to your ability to start nomading again? Of course. It all starts with my parents. In order for us to live the lifestyle that we were living They were entrepreneurs. They had their own businesses. They would figure out ways to make money, even in times where the economy would be bad or one business would fail. They would always try something new. But one of the things that they always instilled in me was, hey, don't live this type of life. We want you to have a more secure financial life and career. So they really put a lot of emphasis on education for me. And I took that to heart. So I finished high school, immediately went to college and got my undergraduate degree in criminal justice, got a master's degree in business, an MBA, and through that period of time, really focused on trying to find career paths or jobs that I found interesting. First, I thought I was going to go join the FBI. Then I thought I was going to become a lawyer and I started a business putting on continuing legal education events for in-house counsel attorneys to see what the life of a lawyer was like, realized that one wasn't for me, all at the same time going to school full-time and working full-time. And when I was 21, I moved to Boise, Idaho, and was blessed to start a career at a company called ClickBank. And they were an internet retailer of digital products and an affiliate network. And so I started at ClickBank at 21, answering phones in the customer service department for, I think, $8 or $9 an hour. And this was a company that sold digital goods, everything from how to build a chicken coop, which was a multi-million dollar product, by the way, or how to build a rose garden to how to get your ex back. It was all online courses or eBooks teaching you something. It was incredible. And I just sat in this 
world and realized, man, there's so much opportunity here. And so during that time, I started to work my way through different departments. And I started to go from customer service to operations. I did some accounting work. I then got into some sales work, business development. I got into marketing and I started as a technical writer on the marketing team because I knew so much about the platform. And then once I was in marketing, I said, you know what, I think I've found my niche. And I had an event production company already doing the events for lawyers. And I went to our CEO at the time and said, hey, I think I could save the company a lot of money if you let me plan our events instead of outsourcing that event planning to a third party company. And he gave me a shot. The event went well. And then that led into me having a much larger role with events. And what that really led to was an opportunity for international expansion within our organization. And so for several years, I was blessed to be able to travel the world and put on amazing events and get to meet our clients all over the world. And ClickBank was the original foundation of where the spark of travel came back to play. In one year, we were in Germany, we were in France, we were in England, we were in Australia, we were in New Zealand, we were in Malaysia, we were in Colombia. And it was like amazing. I just felt like everything had been reinvigorated. The monotony of my life didn't feel monotonous anymore. And that's really what started this concept for me about wanting to become a nomad and just start traveling again. Let me ask you this. I know that you're a super humble person, but I also know that you were one of the youngest people. You were one of very few women that was able to really quickly and effectively ascend into a high-level executive leadership position there. And I want to ask if you can talk a little bit about that particular part of the experience. Yeah, for sure. I've always felt like I was a, a leader in some capacity or wanted to be, but probably didn't always have the, the right skills for it. And I think <laughs> that's something we all work on. I continue to work on it now. But from the moment I got into the company, I always tried to identify and recognize opportunities and where the company had needs that I could maybe step in and fulfill. And I really think that through doing that, it showcased to the higher ups at the time that I was trusting and that I was accountable and that I could get things done, that I could think outside of the box. And so I made a conscious effort to say, I would love to be an executive here one day. I would love to be on this company's leadership team. I love that I can do this as being one of the only females that's also sitting at that table. I will say I had a really good mentor and one of the first gals who hired me was the vice president at the company. Her name's Jen. And she helped me along the way and was such an incredible mentor. So I think if you are a female and you are looking to rise through the ranks in what in 15 years ago was a very male-dominated world for me, I really searched out other women who had had success in that and tried to talk to them, get their input. What can I do? How should I ask my questions differently? I don't feel people are listening to me. What can I do? What's helped you? And honestly, being open to asking those questions to women specifically who had made it to that level really helped give me the confidence to do it for myself. And so I think if you are in that position, go seek someone out, contact me. I love mentoring people and I'd love to be able to help any woman out there. But I think listening and approaching every situation from 
okay, how could I make the best impression here? And what is it that is needed? And how could I step in to fulfill that need? I really think those are the things that really helped me get to the point that I was at within that company and now. And can you talk a little bit then about your transition from the corporate life where you're working in an office and getting to do some business travel, but ultimately having to come back and work out of the office to the nomad life? For sure. That was a hard conversation with ClickBank. After several years of traveling for ClickBank and then also doing a lot of travel on my own, I realized that I wanted a lifestyle change. And there were companies like Remote Year in their first or second year, I think then, out. And I got to see that there was remote travel opportunities within a group setting. And so I came back from a trip in Croatia and Switzerland and got home and decided I wanted to change my life. So I applied for Remote Year and another company called WeRoam, but I didn't have the permission of my company to actually leave and be remote. So we were a company that preached having clients and entrepreneurs who can sell their products through our platform, but live a passive lifestyle or in a lifestyle that allows them to live freely and live the life they want. But internally, we had to go into the traditional corporate office and I didn't think they were gonna let me go. But I knew it didn't matter about the job. I was going to go travel that the job would come. And ultimately, I worked with ClickBank to figure out a way that I could stay within the organization while magically all at the same time, I think I manifested it somewhere. I was also offered a job through a recruiter who had reached out. And that was a 100% remote job. And ultimately, I got to make a really good decision. And that was to stay at ClickBank. I actually quit and took the other job first. But when they went back and realized what I was doing, they kind of came back and gave me a second look and said, you know what, maybe you should stay. And what would it take for us to get you to stay here? And so I was able to negotiate with them and they let me go for a year. And it was amazing. And I got to do it in a lower capacity role, but in a position that actually brought a lot of value into my life. And so the story on that is in 2014, I helped... ClickBank start their own online course that was created to help teach people how they could make their own money online and live that free lifestyle and earn passive income. And the course's name was called ClickBank University. And I worked with two partners to create the course. And over the next several years, it became a massive revenue generating profit center for the company. And so when I approached ClickBank about leaving, And they realized how much money was coming into this business. They then said, okay, you know what? You can stay. And so I think now it's obviously a different time because COVID has really accelerated remote life. But there are still companies that aren't open to that yet. And so one of the things that really helped me was to create and showcase a presentation of the value that I bring to the organization and match with that trust and credibility that I'd been building over the years, it really gave them the ability to say yes to me leaving the office and knowing that I was still going to keep up with things. That first six months of travel, we were growing the business 40%. It was absolutely incredible. All right. So you had worked all the way up to an executive leadership position at ClickBank. And then you had also gotten to a remote working arrangement. And then you also decided to go the entrepreneurial route. Can you talk about that decision and what that entrepreneurial trajectory was like? Yeah, definitely. 
I was so blessed that ClickBank gave me the permission to go travel, which was incredible. But while I was traveling, I met some pretty amazing people and pretty impressive people. And during that period of time, I realized that I wanted a more free life. I wanted to work when I wanted to work. I wanted to be responsible for my own earnings and the money that I was making. And I realized that one of the best ways to do that was through the entrepreneurial approach. And I'd spent many years working with entrepreneurs at ClickBank. Those were all of my clients and those were all friends that I'd been working with for 11 years. And through them and through travel, I thought to myself, maybe I can do this too. And that's exactly what I did. I think one of the best ways to figure out how you want to start a business is if you want to do it alone, which I don't always recommend, but to find a really good partner and to find a partner that you can trust, but somebody who has a different skill set than you. And so I found a good partner and they're creative. They have ideas for days. That's great. I also have ideas too, but I'm an implementer and a problem solver. And so having that good partner that can come up with the ideas and be the creative while you can also be the implementer, that for me is what really worked. And so I met William and William and I created a phone safety leash that was originally created for us because we had our phones stolen out of my purse at a concert. He got pickpocketed multiple times in Mexico and Barcelona. And so we were travelers and wanted to create something that could be used for us. And from there, we said, well, maybe other people want this. And so that was my first real path to what I'll call my adult entrepreneurial life. Because I did have the event business in the past, but it was very situational. This was purposeful. This was meant to create passive income. And so we went the Amazon FBA route to start. And we started also at Shopify and driving our own traffic. And it was amazing to see the journey of product development, creation, and passion grow into something that it is today. And and that business is now growing like 150% year over year. And it's one that we don't spend a lot of time on, but it's doing well and it's growing and people are liking the product. And it's exciting because I know that when and if we really want to dive in deep to it, it has infinite potential, which is why I love entrepreneurship. But it also doesn't have to be what you need to do right now. And so that was kind of my first step into it. And then from there, after I left ClickBank, I went and started working as a VP of sales and marketing for a fintech in Montreal. And that was still in that corporate realm. But I decided that I wanted to kind of just focus on marketing consulting. So I started a little marketing consulting company. And businesses would hire me for strategic marketing. The one thing I knew was I didn't want to do the work, but I wanted to advise and I wanted to share the tips and tricks. And I wanted to deep dive into the company and say, here's what I think you could do to achieve this result. But I knew I didn't want to actually do the work. So instead of being a full scale marketing agency, I said, I'm just going to be a strategic marketing advisor. And that was my consulting company. And through that, I had a client for two years through COVID and now I'm the CMO of their company. And so I've kind of come full scale where I still have my entrepreneurial ventures flowing and grooving, passive income, wonderful, 
But I also have found that I do have a passion for the corporate life and some of that structure and being able to give back to a large company or organization and really drive value. It's been an interesting path to get here, but I really think that you can merge entrepreneurship with a bit of the corporate life, with the travel life and still live that happiness. That's awesome. I want to ask for some of your tips since you do advise and consult with businesses on marketing. And maybe let's just start with one example. There's a couple of different categories of people that I'd like for you to maybe speak to or give tips to. But for people that are just starting businesses, they want to build something that is online, that is remote. What tips do you have for those very early stage entrepreneurs as they're thinking about that? Yeah, definitely. I'll talk about three things. The first is And what I taught at ClickBank University was finding something you're passionate about, that you have knowledge about, that you have more knowledge than somebody else about. And outline what that looks like. Because I'll tell you, there are people out there, and I know them, who created 60-page eBooks on how to build a shed, or how to build a chicken coop, or how to build a rose garden. And this isn't rocket science. This is just a simple product. But there are thousands and thousands of people out there who want to build this on their own. And so if you have that knowledge, you can create value and create a product. And so I encourage you to think about what you're passionate about. I think there's three really great ways that you can utilize an online business. One is to create your own product or course, something that you have knowledge on. I've had friends that have done, like Danny could do something on how to sing. You know, you could play how to play the guitar. You could have any sort of business that's teaching something. Or you could go down a path of where you could be an affiliate. So you don't even have to create your own product. There are affiliate networks out there like ClickBank that you can go and find other people's high quality products. And all you need to do is grab an affiliate link for them and promote them either through your own website, through your social media channels, through your blog. And every time somebody purchases based off of your link, you get paid a commission from that. And you'd be shocked, but I have friends that have sold eight, nine figures as an affiliate where they've never had to create their own product. And there's all kinds of free courses out there that can teach you that information. And I think that education for online businesses is right at our fingertips online. And I'm happy to share in the notes some places where people can go. The third option that I talk about is Amazon FBA. It's a very interesting marketplace. So you could be like me where you actually go create your own product, create your own brand and sell it, or you can actually go find products through a company like Alibaba and use tools like Helium 10 or Jungle Scout to help highlight the products that are hot and selling well and where there's a lot of search volume. And then you can find those products through Ali and Check with the manufacturers. Always make sure you're getting a good quality product because that's important. And test a lot of manufacturers. But you can get products for a fair price there and then resell them. There's companies that will directly take your product from a manufacturer into an Amazon FBA packaging facility. They will put stickers on your product, your UPC codes. They will put everything on the product and then they will send it to Amazon and you literally don't even need to touch it. And Amazon is cool because it's a marketplace. So that means as people are going and actually searching for exactly what they want or something similar to it. So if somebody comes across your listing, they have already showed intent and desire that they want to buy a good of that nature. 
which is very different when you're utilizing a self-traffic approach where you're trying to send somebody to your own website or you're using Facebook or Instagram to try to market to them. When somebody's on Instagram scrolling, they're stopping at an ad, not because they intended to buy that product. You have to then sell them on why they should have your product versus Amazon where someone's showing intent. And so it makes the start of that business a lot easier. There's a really great book that you can read. I believe it's called 12 Months to a Million. The author's name is Ryan Moran. And he really outlines in the simplest form how you could really generate a million dollars within a year of starting an FBA Amazon business and how you can do that with very little capital. That is awesome. I also want to ask for your marketing tips for the people that are already running established businesses. And maybe I'll just break the question into two parts. People that are running B2B businesses and selling things to other businesses and people that are running B2C businesses and selling direct to consumers. Yeah, definitely. They're very different approaches. So B2C, direct to consumer, TikTok is taking off. I have many friends who are using this platform and they're not even using the paid advertising portion of this platform. They are just storytelling or getting customers to tell the story about how the product has affected them, what it's done for them, what it's done for their skin, a makeup line, how it makes them feel more confident, having the founder come and tell the story about why they started the business. It's really starting to take off and people are resonating around this storytelling model and these types of viral videos that aren't even these paid ads like you would normally see on Facebook or Instagram. They are selling people's products out. And so I think that for direct-to-consumer businesses, you really should be looking at TikTok. And I think that we're just at the iceberg of where that platform is going to go. Personally, for myself, I don't really spend much time on Instagram or Facebook anymore. I spend most of my time on TikTok. And it's an educational platform. Let's say I want to learn something about crystals and my healing, crystal healing. I can type that in and it'll bring up a bunch of content And what it will also bring up is people's recommendations on the products that they like within that topic. And that, to me, is revolutionizing advertising and marketing for direct-to-consumer businesses. In terms of B2B, a lot of the work I'm doing now is in that space for Commerce Build. And it's taken some time, but we are really seeing results with conversation ads and account-based marketing ads within LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn's a different beast than Facebook and Instagram if you've ever marketed there. The ads are more expensive. Your cost per lead is more expensive. But typically in a B2B world, the product you're selling is also more expensive. And so I think looking into LinkedIn advertising is a really great tip right now. It's not new, but they have some new ways that you can have conversation ads. And it really creates more of a conversation with the person you're trying to market to versus just a static ad or a video ad on the page. And you can actually send a message that looks like it's an in-mail message to their LinkedIn account. They can read it and then ask for more information or say no thanks. And then you can come back and have an automated message populate with what their question was. And so you can build it out almost a little bit like a bot, which is kind of interesting. And it's really been doing wonders for the lead generation for Commerce Build right now. 
Awesome. Let me ask you this, since you've been in this digital nomad lifestyle for quite some time and traveling the world and doing epic stuff and going to Ireland on a whim and going wine tasting in the Portuguese wine country on a whim and all that kind of stuff. How do you balance that type of epic lifestyle design with being a high-level corporate executive and a business owner, et cetera? And what tips do you have for people on striking that balance? I have one tip that's everything. And that's a routine. (laughs) I'm a non-routine routiner. I literally hate the concept of a routine because I enjoy life. I want things to happen as they present themselves. But I also understand that in order for me to be successful, I need to have a routine. There was a period of time during COVID where I kind of had a bit of a sabbatical. And it was like, what am I doing? Every day was filled with nothing. There was fun, but every day was the same and there was no purpose. There was no drive. There was no value. And so for me, routine is what drives that purpose and value every day. I utilize calendars. Everything work-related is only going to happen during these hours. I really try my hardest not to take calls or not to take work in outside of those hours. And that's hard because sometimes when you live abroad, your hours don't align with where everybody is. So yeah, there's times where I've had to take calls at midnight or 1 a.m. and I do them, but I don't make that the routine. The other piece is when I wake up in the morning, for instance, we're in Europe right now and most of my team is in the U.S., So I typically have the mornings in Europe to enjoy my day. I don't get up and get my computer out and say, okay, what happened last night when I went to sleep and they were still working? I go enjoy my morning. I'll work out. I'll go for a long walk. I'll get a nice breakfast. I'll get some air. I'll go listen to some music. I'm an avid book reader, so I'll just take walks around the city for two hours listening to a book or a podcast. And... I purposefully take that time and say, I'm not doing anything else but enjoying myself during this time. And I think that's the only way that you can do this. I mean, I literally woke up at 5 a.m. on Monday, leaving Ireland, knowing that at 4 p.m., I had a presentation to give to the chairman of the board of Commerce Build. And I still had to put a presentation together. But you know what? Because I had scheduled it, properly and it was in my routine, I was able to do it and it worked out. If I had just willy-nilly thought that I would figure it out and make it all happen, I don't think that I would have done it. And so I really think that routine and scheduling is super important. And then when you do take that time for self-care, give yourself that time. Don't let anything else creep into that. It's only going to affect your day. And there's been many times and many, honestly, months and months where I've let this happen and I haven't enjoyed travel the same way and I haven't been productive. I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes, sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, that physical house, the hard asset, 
without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation. If that sounds interesting to you to learn more about it, you can just go to the slash consult. And now back to the episode as a leader or a worker for my team. And that's not how I want to live. Awesome. Awesome tips. All right. I want to jump into some of these travel experiences because you have done some incredibly epic stuff, including a lot of stuff that I have absolutely not done in places I have not been to. I think I want to start though with some of your sailing trips because you mentioned, obviously, that was a big part of your upbringing. Subsequently though, you have done sailing trips in places like Croatia, places like the Greek islands. Can you talk about some of your sailing highlights? Oh, sailing is just the best. It brings such a smile to my face. So I think I've probably done maybe seven European sailing trips now through the summers over the years. And they're probably one of my most favorite things. I think it was maybe 2014. I solo flew to Croatia where I, on Facebook, saw a message from a girl that said that she was selling her solo ticket to a boat on the Yacht Week. And it was like a 50% discounted ticket. Like all of it sounded very scammy, but I said, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. And I purchased the ticket from her. I flew to Croatia and I did my first sailing trip in the Croatian islands with a group of eight other people that I'd never met before. And it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. So the following year, I said, I invited friends. I'm like, hey, let's go sailing. Nobody wanted to go sailing. So I said, okay, screw it. I'll go by myself again. Fly to Greece, spend a couple days in Greece on my own exploring, get on the boat. And I had literally still to this day, one of the best weeks of my entire life with a group of people that are still some of my most closest friends. And they are from South Africa and they're from the US and we've traveled to Thailand together and we've traveled all over the world. Some of them have come to visit me in places that I've been living like Brazil and Argentina. They're not nomads, but these are the closest friends you could ever meet. They're just wonderful. And this random solo sailing trip to the Greek islands. And we have the best stories. Sailing every day, you're at a new island. You stop for breakfast in a new crystal clear aqua blue beach bay. You jump in the water and that's how you wake up every morning. And then you sail to your next port for the night that has a beautiful Croatian or Greek dinner. And then you end up at some sort of local bar or restaurant with dance music. I mean, in Greece, they throw napkins in the air like it's confetti and it falls all over you and just have the best time. And you're also unplugging. It's probably the one week every year that I truly unplug because you don't have Wi-Fi. You barely sometimes have cell service. And so just being able to get onto the ocean and explore and really get to interact with the people that you're on this trip with is absolutely priceless. It's one of my most favorite things to do. Literally yesterday, I was telling William that we needed to find a sailing trip this year because it's been two years and I'm like fiending. That's so awesome. Well, the other thing that you do is scuba diving and you have done some extended live aboard scuba diving trips and all that, especially in Asia. You've been in the Philippines, you've been diving in Indonesia. 
Can you talk about some of those experiences? Oh my God. Also love diving. <laughs> Both free diving and scuba diving. I think scuba diving quite a bit more because there's some fun things to see. But gosh, I can't even begin to explain to you. So growing up on a boat, we had our own diving equipment. I was never scuba certified by PADI or SSI, but I spent my life underwater and we had our own regulators and we had a makeshift air machine that was connected to a hose off of the boat. I mean, definitely not safe, but you know, it was the (laughs) eighties and my dad is amazing. And so, yeah, I love the ocean and you know what? I didn't dive Matt for like 15 years and several years ago, picked it back up again. And then it's become my most expensive hobby And last year for my birthday, so seven months of 2021, I was living in Bali, Indonesia. And one of my best friends, Lindsay, her birthday is the day before mine. And we were in Indonesia and all of the boats had been stopped because of COVID. But we found a luxury yacht, shout out to the Coralia, Google them. You need to. They're absolutely amazing. If you're a diver, Google the Coralia. And we found a trip that was eight or nine day live aboard trip through Raja Ampat, which is one of the best diving spots in the entire world and decided to say, fuck it. It's our birthdays. Let's go. And so the two of us and another girlfriend took this trip to Raja Ampat. We were the only dive boat And the entire dive area, because it was COVID, it was a full service boat where every morning you have your hot shower, you walk out on your beautiful patio, you're looking into this stunning ocean, these beautiful islands. We're diving three to four times every day. It was absolutely unbelievable. And honestly, Indonesia has, I think, one of the best diving in the world. The experiences I had there were incredible. We got to just spend like 45 minutes with two octopuses, octopi, whichever one it is, just sort of hanging out on the reef. You could tell they were communicating with each other. You could see it was like two little aliens down there living their life. And we were just watching from a distance. And it was incredible. One day we start hearing these sounds in the water. I'm thinking, that's dolphins. Those are dolphin sounds. Look around, come up, pilot whales. There's a school of pilot whales next to us, and they're just swimming along, trucking by. Beautiful. One day we wake up in the morning, and the managers on this boat, everybody on this boat is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they say, All right, we've identified where some whale sharks are. Do you guys want to go? And it, we all looked at each other and we're like, Uh, yeah, let's go right now. So we hop in our speedboats and we go out to where the whale sharks are and we spend like an hour and a half in the water and literally they're inches from me. It was just one of the most incredible experiences. You know, I've had the opportunity to dive in the Philippines and Australia and Mexico, Hawaii, and every place I dive has something different to offer. And so I think if you're looking to get into diving, really think about what you want from it. Not every place is going to be filled with the same macro and micro organisms or fish that Indonesia has, but there's still incredible things to do and see like cenotes in Mexico. I just was in Hawaii a couple weeks ago and got to do a World War II mini plane crash and a barge that sank 
and it was stunning. I love diving. I think that the underwater world is the contrast to the world that we have here above water and the organisms and animals should be respected and they should be viewed. Literally, I could live in an aquarium. You put me underwater, I could be there for like 10 hours. I'd die, but I could do it. <laughs> That's so amazing. Well, I definitely now have to go scuba diving in Indonesia and go to Raja Ampat because that sounds absolutely incredible. Well, I know you have spent a lot of time in Asia, and I want to ask, what were some of your other travel highlights from your time in Asia? Oh, my gosh. So one of my most favorite experiences, and I'd say like a top five for anything I've ever done in my life. I was in Cambodia with great friends. And one of them said, you know, do you want to go to the Vietnam-Cambodian border to the Mandalkiri Forest and go trekking inside and hang out with elephants? And I was like, actually, I do. Look at my ankle. I have an elephant tattoo. They're one of my most favorite animals. And so we drive hours outside of the town we were living in in Cambodia, we get into the forest, we show up at this just stunning kind of guest house and they feed us dinner and we go to sleep. We wake up super early in the morning, we get in the back of trucks and we head out on, I think it was like a 30 mile trek into the forest. And we're going, we're going, it's beautiful. We get to the area we're going to spend the night and they've got hammocks set out for us and they put out some food and we're having some wine, they called it wine, but rice wine that they made. Got you a little tipsy. And then right as everybody's feeling nice and tipsy, the elephants arrive. And I'm not talking like one. I'm talking like 12. And the beautiful part about this place is that all of the elephants are all rescued. They all came from places where they weren't being treated right, or they were retiring from a career in logging. But they had a massive area for them to roam and they weren't caged, they weren't held in fences and they could kind of do what they wanted during the day. And I just found that to be unbelievably magical. And so we hung out with them that night. We got to feed them some bananas and there was a really special elephant that I connected with there. Her name was Princess. And the first night I was like, I can't wait to see you tomorrow, Princess. So the next morning, we go down to the watering hole, and shortly after, a lot of the elephants arrive, and Princess walks up, and she literally gets super close to me, and I have a photo of us touching heads, and she held her head to my forehead for a solid minute, and it was unbelievable. The connection that was made and just the feeling of being in nature and with these wild animals that are just so huge, but so smart. And they say that elephants have feelings and they have a lot more of the mothering nature. If you ever have an opportunity to experience something like that in the world, I highly suggest you do. It was just magic. Asia is also incredible. You can do so many beautiful motorbike treks in Thailand. Thailand, top to bottom, is one of the most beautiful countries in the entire world. And there's so much to do and see there. And the people are absolutely phenomenal. Vietnam as well has some incredible hiking and rafting in areas that you can go. I was in Laos visiting a girlfriend that moved there from South Africa. And we were ziplining and we were rafting down the rivers. 
it's incredible the amount of activities that you can do in Asia. So awesome. I totally, totally agree. And the food is just completely next level insane. So it's always a delight to hang out in Asia. All right, Megan, I now want to ask you about some of your travel experiences in Africa, because you and I both share a profound love for the continent. And I know you have been to a number of countries there. And I want to ask, what have been some of your top highlights from traveling in Africa? Africa is amazing. <laughs> I think everywhere is amazing, but Africa, gosh, I've been so blessed. The story I'll start with, the recent one. In December of last year, I went to Senegal. And it was a country that I never even had on my list of places to go. But in September of last year, I went to a nomad retreat called the Nomad Escape in Madeira, Portugal, which was amazing. Highly recommend. And I met a girl who I'm now great friends with. Her name is Carol. And she has a company called runtheworld.co. And the foundation of the start of this business was to go to places around the world for a solidarity trip where you go to give back while also getting to see and explore a new place. And similar to Ireland, she's like, we're signing people up right now. I said, sign me up. Here's my credit card. When do we go? So the trip was in December and basically it was a cycling trip. And during the course of about seven days, we were going to cycle 240 kilometers and we were going to fundraise to raise money to buy bicycles for kids in Senegal because on average, a child has to walk 10 kilometers one way to get to school and back. And so if we can lessen that amount of time that they're walking, the more time they can be learning or doing fun things and parents can be less worried about where their kids are. And so it was amazing. We did the fundraiser, get to Senegal. There's a bunch of Spanish speakers and I speak a bit of Spanish, not a lot of Spanish. So that was already an interesting one. But we get there and... It was just a phenomenal seven days. I didn't know we were cycling in sand for a lot of this time frame. And so the cycling was a bit more challenging, but we literally every day cycled from village to village, inland to the sea. We were invited to Senegalese homes for dinner. We got to dine and meet and work with and help families there. We went to schools. It was unbelievable. The people of Senegal are absolutely amazing. We even got to go to one of the Senegalese wrestling matches, which was just spectacular. And it was just so amazing to see a culture that I had never even knew anything about. And I think that's one of the beautiful parts about Africa is there's so much to offer. The people are so friendly, kind, and loving. And it is such a drastic difference than how I was raised and what I knew in Hawaii. It's amazing. And so from Senegal to Egypt to safaris in South Africa to client visits in Namibia, I just got to go to Namibia a couple months ago and it was beautiful. And I got to meet some incredible people there to what we've got, an upcoming trip actually to Ghana. Let's talk about that because <laughs> this was such an amazing moment where our crew is in the Alentishu region of Portugal on my birthday. 
getaway doing the wine tastings and we're back at the villa one night and we're talking about nfts non-fungible tokens and we're just having a discussion about this and i just happened to mention that i recently purchased this nft and one of the utility functions of this nft it's called the royals one of the utility functions is that it's by a Ghanaian artist and if you own this nft you get admission to this gala in ghana in late december and I mentioned this to the group. And all of a sudden, within the same conversation, I mean, within 30 to 60 minutes, as we're having this conversation in the villa, you, Becky, and Danny all say, I'll buy one of those NFTs and go to the gala in Ghana in December. Let's go. Let's go. And you <laughs> did. And then I told Danny that I was going to go on the remote year four-month program, which is the first all-Africa itinerary for the final four months of this year. And she says, oh, I'll go on that too. So she signs up for the four-month mm-hmm. remote year program. So Danny and I are going to the remote year program. <laughs> and then we like come back in and we tell you, we're like, hey, guess what? Danny and I are both going in this remote year program. We're going to be in Africa the last four months. And one of the side trips that we definitely want to take is to go gorilla trekking, mm-hmm. probably on the Uganda side. You can see them from three different countries, but probably the Uganda side most likely. And we want to do that maybe in November. And you were like, cool, I'll meet you guys there for Gorilla Trekking in November. <laughs> and then I'll meet you in Ghana for the gala in December. We were like, done. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was amazing. The gorillas in Uganda has been on my bucket list for years. And to be able to go with two amazing people would just be incredible. And I never thought that I would be able to go to Ghana and have something so incredible to be a part of. And I mean, this is why as we started this entire podcast and we talked about your birthday weekend was so special. Literally on the car ride back to Lisbon from our house, Danny and I had set everything up and we had our NFTs purchased and it, we were in just like that. I know it was amazing. That's why I roll with you guys because this is the type of inspiring stuff that I love about surrounding myself with other amazing nomads. It's like, oh yeah, I'm doing this epic thing. Cool. I'd love to do that. Let's do it together. Cool. We'll go wherever it is, whenever it is, we'll just make it happen. So, so, so amazing. I cannot wait. (laughs) (laughs) So awesome. Let me ask you this, Megan. When you think back on all of the travel that you've done, all these experiences we've been talking about, the 60 plus countries that you've been to, how do you think all of this travel has impacted you as a person? That's a powerful question. I, you know, I'm from small little island in Hawaii and I wasn't raised with the traditional American culture and values. I mean, they were there, but I also was heavily influenced by the Hawaiian culture and values and the the Asian culture and values that are really instilled there through the generations. So for me, traveling has just made me humble. It's made me kinder. It's made my bleeding heart bleed even more. I want to give back. I want to help. I want to teach, but I also want to learn. And I think that's the biggest thing. When I go to these places, I want to learn. You know, when I go into countries, I want to eat the food. I want to talk about what their normal day is like. I want to see what their normal day is like. And I want to experience it. And I want to also share what my life is like, because that's the other thing is people are really in the world. They're also interested in you. And so for you to be able to come to some places where people don't get to venture out a lot 
it's really powerful for them to get to know you as well. I think that we as humans and people, in order for us to be compassionate and have empathy and be able to be the best humans that we can be, I think one of the best ways to go about doing that for yourself is to get out and to see the world and not just be super structured in your own life and in your own world and your same group of friends. Get to know other things, get to know other places. And you can do that in your home country because even in the U.S., I mean, the West Coast to East Coast is very different. Going down to the South, you can meet all kinds of different people. And I just think it allows you to become a much more well-rounded person and someone who is kinder in nature and someone who wants to give back to the world. And that's what it's done for me. That's so amazing. So let me ask you one more question and then we'll wrap this up and move into the lightning round. Megan, after you've done all of this travel now and you've seen all of these things that we've been talking about, why do you continue to keep traveling and continue to nomad? What does travel mean to you today? Travel is everything to me. So many times I've thought about, all right, am I done? Or like when things get tough, yeah, just go back to the States, just go home. And the reality of it is, is that I thrive off of change. I thrive off of experiences and adventure. And one of the reasons why I really got into wanting to become a nomad was I wanted to not have a monotonous day. And even though I can preach routine to you, I can also tell you that you can have a routine without monotony. And to me, travel is everything. If I get married and have a child one day, we'll be traveling. I don't foresee myself ever going and having just one place that I reside in again. I think it's bigger than that. And I think my purpose is bigger than that. And I think I owe it to myself to be bigger than that. That's so amazing. I think you're so amazing. Mm, thank All right. you. All right, Megan, at this point, are you ready to move in to the lightning round? No, no, I'm kidding. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> the lightning round. All right. What is one book that has significantly impacted you over the years you'd most recommend people check out? Joe Dispenza's Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself has been one of the best books that has helped me personally. He does an amazing job of bridging the gap between science and spirituality and really removing this concept that I am who I am and this is it. I suffered a lot from depression and anxiety and was always told that those were things that ran in my family and that that was just it. And this book really helped open my eyes to how I can truly change and rewire the way that I think and the way that I live to lessen the amount of depression, anxiety, if not take it away for a majority of the time. And I know that may not resonate for everyone, but I think whether it's anxiety or depression or fear of failure or fear that you're not good enough or unlovable or that you can't have the career you want, or that you're not smart enough, this book can literally teach you a different way to live. Amazing. All right, Megan, what is one travel hack that you use that you can recommend? Oh, play the credit card game. As much as you wouldn't want to play the credit card game, or even if you don't believe in credit cards, I was there. But I've picked an airline. I've stuck with that airline. 
I've picked the right credit cards. I've stuck with those credit cards. I've stuck with the same hotels. And the amount of perks that you get by sticking with those companies is huge. I say it. And once you've experienced what lounge life is like at airports, once you've experienced what a business class seat is like on a long haul flight that you didn't have to pay for, it really changes the way you travel. And especially when you're traveling a lot. And so there's lots of really great blogs out there. The points guy is one teaching you lots of ways that you can really hack the credit card game to get miles. And I don't spend money with my debit cards. I only spend money on credit cards and I pay it off every month with no interest, but I rack up those points and I use those points to make my travel day experiences, which are often even better. Awesome. Megan, if you could have dinner with any one person who's currently alive today that you've never met, who would you choose? Mm, This is a tough one. I'm going to say Elon Musk, though I don't think we'd have the most fun dinner. (laughs) I think that he is a revolutionary person within our generation and our time right now. And I would love to have an opportunity to have a conversation like this with him over wine and just really try to understand and learn how his brain works. Because I think what he's doing for the world is going to impact generations to come. And I would love to just have that experience to learn and just absorb who he is as a person. All right, Megan, knowing everything that you know now, if you could go back in time and give one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would you say to 18-year-old Megan? I always felt like things needed to happen so quickly. Like I had this vision or goal of where I should be. And it was always work as fast as you can to get there. And my business partner, William, has a saying, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And that's what I would tell myself is to take a step back, relax, and enjoy the ride and know that everything is going to be okay. Anything that comes at you, you're going to be able to withstand. You're going to be able to grow from and move on from. But I spent so much of my late teens and early 20s worried about what was to come. And in reality, I wish that I didn't do that because everything always works out. There's always a way and it always works in your favor in some way. And if it doesn't, then you let it go and you move on. But I wish I just knew to to relax, take it slow and know that it was all going to be fine one day. Not one day now. (laughs) Awesome. All right, Megan, of all the places that you have now traveled in the world, what are your top three favorite travel destinations you'd most recommend other people should check out? I'd say Thailand, top to bottom adventures. If you want mountain sports, you want water sports, you want culture, you want good food. It's one of the best places to be. And I'm going to say South Africa, whether you want to live there or just visit there. It's incredible. And you have some beautiful coastlines in Cape Town, some of the best restaurants you will ever eat in your life in Cape Town. And then you've got the bush and safaris and animal life. And it's good living there. And it's beautiful. And the people are just spectacular as well. And for my third, I'm going to pick Hawaii, which isn't a country. (laughs) doesn't have to be a country. It doesn't have to be a country. It doesn't have to be a country. It's travel destinations. It's places to visit. It can be a city, a state, anything like that. So absolutely acceptable. Go ahead. Hawaii. 
give love to the homeland. Can I tell you this too? Is this is an embarrassing void in my travel resume. Mm-mm-mm. It's not on purpose. I promise. I've never been to Hawaii. We're going. We need to plan a trip and I'll take you and we'll do it right. You believe me, I am already saying yes. I'm saying yes publicly now on the podcast. Tell me when we're going. I will absolutely be there. This is like the NFT gala in Ghana. You're like, wait, when is it? I'm going. I'm in. This is like what's happening here in reverse. This is me in the conversation saying, yes, I accept. Let's go. Let me know the date. I will be there. And then tell me, as someone who's never been to Hawaii, what you will take me to do and what I should see and what anyone else who goes to Hawaii for the first time should definitely see. For sure. Well, one, let's pull the calendar out. <laughs> as soon as we finish recording, let's Yes, let's this. do it. Oh my gosh. Hawaii is so special. It's also a place that has an energy when you land there and a deep, rich culture. I encourage people who want to go to Hawaii because every island is different. And every island has something different to offer. I think everybody knows Waikiki Beach, Diamond Head. There's lots of hotels. It's really lovely. It's kind of like the Las Vegas Strip meets the ocean. So I definitely say, you know, spend a night or two there. On that island, there's also North Shore Oahu, which is where you'll see the Pipe Masters. That's where a lot of the surfing is. Waimea Bay will host the Eddie Aikau and the Sea Foot Swell surfing competitions and things like that. But that island is populated. It's beautiful. But this is the main island. There's like a million people on this island in a state that maybe is, don't quote me, but somewhere like 1.4 maybe. And so the other islands have a lot to offer. Kauai is like Jurassic Park. So it's got the beautiful jungles, that helicopter scene when people are coming in. It's stunning. And you've got amazing hiking, great waterfalls and things of that nature. Maui, if you want something in between Oahu and Kauai, you go to Maui. You want something super remote, go to Molokai or Lanai. Very small islands with very few people there and you will just have a beautiful time. You want to go see the volcanoes, go to the big island. There's absolutely nothing better than getting to witness live volcano erupting or the magma flowing into the ocean. It's a sight to see. And there's black sand beaches there. It's a large island. So every island just has something for everyone. Just depends on the type of vacation you're looking for. I'll take you to do it all. I am so excited. There's (laughs) no one I would rather see Hawaii with than you. So this is super exciting for me. I am super stoked for that trip. All right, Megan, last question. What are your top three bucket list destinations? These are places you've never been highest on your list you'd most love to see. So we've got one coming up. The Uganda Gorilla Trip has been on my list for years, and I'm so excited that we're planning that. And I'm just so blessed that I get to go with you two amazing folks, you and Danny. My next one actually is happening. I'm planning it in August. Wow. So two bucket list trips this year. So this one is Tonga. And I'm going to Tonga in August to go swim with the humpback whales and free dive with the humpback whales. And in Hawaii, I I was blessed to have an opportunity to swim with dolphins in the wild, turtles, humpbacks, but I was young. And so this is my adult chance to really go engage with the humpbacks. And I'm super excited. And then my third, I don't know when this will happen, but I would love to find some friends who also are interested in this, though I don't know that many people are. I want to do an Antarctica expedition and I want to go on one of the the several week trips and really get that seventh continent in. I think it's 
part of my dream and my plan and my whole travel goals in life. And I have friends that have done it and they said it's been spectacular. I do want to be the one that jumps off of the boat into the Antarctic water. It will happen. I'm not going to love it, but I'll do it. So yeah, that's probably my third. Amazing. All right, Megan, at this point, I want you to let folks know how they can find you, follow you on social media, connect with you, learn more about what you're up to. How do you want people to come into your world? Sure. So as I said earlier, I'm not the biggest person that's on Facebook or Instagram, but my handle is at Megaman808. That's M-E-G-A-M-A-N-N. 808. Shout out to Hawaii. That's the area code for Hawaii phone number. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn at Megan Nani Man. That's Megan N-A-N-I Man. And then email me. That may be the best way, <laughs> to be honest. And my email is M-N-M-A-N-N at gmail.com. I will always reply and we'll put that in the show notes because I know a lot of the M and N's sound the same. We are going to link everything up in the show notes, including all of Megan's recommendations, the books that she suggested, as well as her social media handles, her email, the ways to contact her. It will all be in one place. Just go to themaverickshow.com and go to the show notes for this episode. And there you will find that along with everything else we have discussed in this episode. Megan, this was so amazing. Mm, so good. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. As again, I say I'm so humbled and I'm just so blessed that I had an opportunity to meet you a couple weeks ago for your birthday and to build this amazing friendship that I know is going to continue on and take us on journeys throughout the world. Yeah, well, we already have Ghana. Uganda and Hawaii yep, now yep. on our upcoming list. So those <laughs> are definitely happening. Yes. And who knows what additional adventures after that, but I'm sure many will follow. So, so great to have you on the show. And good night, everybody. Bye, everyone. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Learn how Maverick Investor Group can help you by cash-flowing rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets, regardless of where you live. Schedule a free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com slash consult. Now you can buy rental properties with tenants and local property management in place so you don't have to be a landlord or a rehabber to get your questions answered and discuss how Maverick Investor Group can help you meet your real estate investing goals. Schedule your free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com forward slash consult. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks, and you can get your first one for free at themaverickshow.com slash audiobook. Whether you want the latest best-selling novels or books on investing, business, or travel, try your first audiobook for free at themaverickshow.com forward slash audiobook.